2: but you won twice at Imola in 95 and 96.
3: Damon Hill exits the last
2: corner, crosses the grid, comes up alongside his pits, and takes the
1: chicken flag
0: to win the San Marino Grand Prix at Ferrari's home track. I'm just delighted, you know, it was such a terrific race to do well in. Imola is a superb place to race because of the crowd, the fantastic turnout, and it's great. How did that
2: compare in front of all those Ferrari fans? Well, I wasn't
0: driving for Ferrari, so it's slightly, probably they were disappointed to see uh, a Brit up there. But it was a very emotional uh, win for us at Williams because obviously after 94... Uh, and the awful things that happened then so come back in 95 and, and win the race and uh, you know it kind of had a, a, a healing effect I guess in some ways it's not the circuit's fault you know unfortunately it's got some it had, it had a dark uh, weekend and uh, but um, you know we've it's great racing you know it, We it's great to be there and and to have won also to become you know, in the year I became champion as well Imola has got a history and i love the circuits with history and especially if there's a link to italy and ferrari then um you know you're you're going to be remembered Uh, if it was a golf club you'd have a plaque wouldn't you on the wall and you'd have your name etched on the you'd get on the board as they say (laughs) So, i'm on the board in imola
3: we can have words surely
0: (laughs) yeah it'd be great the imola
3: club The imola club That, that is a club i want to be a part of i've got goosebumps just thinking about it Welcome then to F1 Nation. Our look ahead to the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix and the return of the F1 Sprint at Imola. Who better to talk us through such a circuit than uh, well, someone that's won there twice before, David Hill, and Davide Valsecchi, our favourite Italian stallion. How are you?
1: Ciao. Ciao to everyone. I'm very well. You? How are you? We're, we're good, uh, David.
0: you sound like you're near a track, or you're you're in a you're coming to us from a car, and you, you can hear I can hear cars that sound like they're racing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I'm uh, I'm in in Monza right now, so I'm on the paddock in Monza, and they are running. Uh, I think GT GT car. Yeah, normal car.
3: You just can't get enough of it, can you? When do you see your wife and kid? I mean, for God's sake, get home, be a family man and then start lapping up the toposi action, will you?
1: Yeah, you're right. But, uh, you know, it's our time. I told you at the first race this year, it's our time. So... We are leading the championship with Ferrari. We are so passionate. Everyone loves Formula One now in Italy. So it's our moment. We need to do do use it and to enjoy
0: it. I was going to say, Davide, we were having a chat before the season and we were, we, were, we were saying, you know, how's it going to go? And you were getting very excited. And I was trying to tell you to calm down. Don't get too excited. This happens. This always happens. You never,
3: get... never tell Davide Valsecchi to calm down.
0: I mean, you can't get him to calm down. But I mean, now... You are absolutely about to pop, aren't you? I mean, it's fantastic. You're leading the championship, coming to Italy with, with Ferrari.
1: He's going to crowd surf his
3: way into the circuit. You know that, come Thursday. <laughs> yeah, we're well, good to try
1: it. Yeah, to be honest, uh, what is sure is that uh, you know, al- already Formula 1 in Italy, it's become very popular in the last few years because there were uh, these young kids, uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Lando Norris, uh, that brings up Formula One from from the young generation. No? But now with Ferrari, that is strong enough to fight for the championship. Believe me, the, the, the atmosphere will be unbelievable in Imola, and I'm sure that will be one of the one of the best weekend uh, in Formula One this season. I mean, usually we go to to, to England in Silverstone, and it's amazing, not the atmosphere. Last year we went to Netherlands, and and it was it was it was just fantastic. I think this year this year we are going to be in Imola and Monza and we are going to feel the same atmosphere, something really special. And I'm sure that it will be a, a great weekend. Last year also, the race in Imola was unbelievable. You did you remember, it was raining just in the grid before the race. And, and then the race was, was spectacular. I don't know if we are going to be so lucky to have a, a very, a very uh, enjoyable and funny race, but, uh, but I'm sure that we are going to enjoy the weekend.
2: What is the feeling in Italy, Davide? D- do we think this Ferrari challenge this year is real? I mean, Charles has won two of the opening three races. Do you think they can keep the momentum going now?
1: I don't know, but we are so confident. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are so confident in Ferrari. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not so easy to predict something different for the, for the next few races. I mean, okay. We have Mercedes that is, they are scoring so many points, right? But they have not the performance. To be honest, I cannot believe that in the next few races, there will be someone quicker and faster than Ferrari. The the car is so good. You you can see also from the onboard. It's not so easy to explain how the engine could close the gap and be the strongest engine in the grid in only two months and a half of winter without any testing. That is not so easy to explain about the the, the, the power of the the, the engine and the power unit. But about the car, I mean, from the onboard, the front is so easy to turn, the minimum speed is so high, the car is so balanced. I mean, to drive, the car is just perfect and seems, hearing the driver and watching the onboard, much, much, much easier than all the other cars. So. Uh, It's not so easy to predict something different for the next few races. I told you at the first race we are going to smash everyone, Ferrari, in the first few races, and I'm thinking that until Miami, I don't think there will be no one else that could challenge, that can challenge Ferrari in terms of speed and performance. Then you have Verstappen, you have Hamilton, that they are fantastic drivers, and maybe someone can fight. But I think it is the best team at the moment and it's going to be for the next few races, for sure.
3: Well, look, far be it from me to dampen your spirits because I love an excited Davide Varsecchi. But one person who isn't thoroughly enjoying the party at the moment is Carlos Sainz, a miserable time for him in Australia. So how do we get him back into play? Obviously, he's been on the podium. We know he's a very talented driver, but he's not yet comfortable in this great car that you're talking about. So what does he need to do? And and Natalie. It's
1: very complicated his condition right now because uh, he knows that he has the great chance to win this championship because the car is quick enough to to give him the chance to fight for the championship and to become champion. But the trouble is that he has by side someone that is probably more talented than him. And so he knows also that he needs to rush and to to be quick to take victories and and to take the leadership of the championship. Because if you know in Ferrari you know that we are famous to do, to, uh, to do strategy and we are famous in Italy to, to choose the first driver, give all the energy to only one driver. So So I think it's crucial, the timing for science. and it was not so lucky last weekend. He made some, some mistakes that at the end cost him a lot because he retired from the race. And so it's not his best moment. But is the is the more most important time of this life and of his career, so he needs to speed up and to 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 be on top. If no, he's going to lose to lose the chance.
2: Davide, that's huge. It's almost a career-defining race coming up in uh, Imola this weekend.
1: Yeah, you you don't have the same feeling because believe me, I push a bit for him. I like the guy. I know the family. Uh, I mean. I cannot say he's my friend, but I know him very well, and I would like for him to be champion. No, but but uh, but I'm thinking that uh, if he's not going to solve the situation, and I mean in in, in saying solve, I mean I mean uh, if he's not going to win the next two or three races, he's going to be the reserve, uh, the, the the second driver of. Leclerc that probably is going to become the world champion. And to be the second one is not so easy to upset for us that we are driver. No, we would like to be the best and at least the best in your team. So for him, the condition, from my point of view, is not easy at all. Because there's no way. The car is competitive. So the only way is winning and in terms of, of winning, for Leclerc, it's a bit easier at the moment.
0: Davide, you just touched on the, the point. I have this question, which we have a little debate going, I think, with our, our Sky colleagues. You work, with, you work with Sky Italy, but you know you know the, the Sky team we have. And in there, we have our debates about how good is Charles Leclerc. And some people think he's OK, and some people think he's much better than that. Where do you rate Charles Leclerc as a driver?
1: OK, so, for you, that you became in the past world champion in Formula 1, probably, probably is easier to answer. But, uh, I think, Damon, with all the respect, uh, that probably this man is strong enough to be special when it counts and when the time is important. So, probably, was strong enough and talented enough to destroy Sebastian Vettel as a teammate when... Uh, he, he, when he arrived in, in Ferrari and he took immediately the leadership into the team as a first driver and probably was not just perfect, was not perfect last year because the car was in the midfield and there his talent was a bit, I don't know, underestimated because uh, r- racing for him in the middle of the group, in the middle of the pocket, uh, it was a bit complicated. But I think he has something special because one is important. Last part of the qualify session, the, the, the lap that can bring you on pole position, the start, the restart of the races, uh, handle the battle with the champions like uh, Verstappen and Hamilton. What is important, he can do this type of things and this type of battle, this type of racing in a, in a very easy way. From my point of view, he has the talent, he has the quality to become a world champion. That is my thought. Uh, I'm interested to, to, to hear your, your side that uh, you became a real world champion in Formula One. So, what do you think about it?
0: Well, I agree with you, David. I'll see. I, why would I argue with you? Um, because you obviously know a lot more about this guy and Ferrari than I do. I mean, I, I will say one thing: you're supposed to be a journalist, and you're not supposed to be biased, but you have expressed an extreme preference for Ferrari, which is which is excusable, I think, if you're an Italian. Is that is that fair to say? Are you guys you guys have to support everything with Ferrari, don't you?
1: Yeah, to be honest, uh, yeah, yeah, we suffered so much in the last few seasons. and uh, when I am. Uh, to be honest, when I judge the driver in the truck, I want to be 100% uh, honest and objective. But in terms of uh, working on a TV, that in the last few years we just saw winning Mercedes, and then uh, when uh, when something changed, the stop and one and Ferrari was always in the middle of the of the group, we suffered so much the situation. So. I think that this year, Ferrari has the great chance to fight for the championship and that they would like for them to stay on top and to fight till the end. And in terms of driver, to be I'm honest, I really love science, the attitude, the family. And so I would like for him to see him winning. But then there is the track and in the track there are no friends. That counts only the speed, the attitude, the charter, the, 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 the charisma. And I think that in this part of the racing style, Leclerc has something more. For sure, in the last few years, Hamilton showed to everyone that uh, is built differently. For sure, Verstappen, as soon as he jumped in Formula 1, we realized that, oh, this man, if he start to be ready with his head, he has the gifted of the speed. And uh, every single quality, every single race, w- we can see that he's special. Leclerc, looking him from... Um, uh, Formula 3, he won immediately. Formula 2, he won immediately uh, as a rookie. Then first year in Formula 1 with Sauber and was special, He was in the point. First year in Formula 1, first year in Ferrari. He started to destroy it after two races. Veteran qualified, that is his best his uh, best characteristic. If he's not going to lose his head uh, this year, I'm sure that he's, he's, he's going to fight for the championship. Then if Ferrari is strong enough to stay there until the end, uh, probably yes. But consider the problem on the technical side that uh, all, the cont- all the rivals, as at the moment, uh, I can say that Ferrari is going to, to fight at least until mid-season. of season. Because Mercedes, how you can say in Imola they are going to solve the bouncing is going to solve, the speed is going to solve, the race pace. Too many problems to be solved in two weeks, uh, Damon. I don't think that Mercedes, they are going to win races and be on pole in the next five or six uh, racing weekends, We need to give them at least three or four months to solve the technical problem that they have. And all the issues in Red Bull on the rehabilitation side, they are too many to see Verstappen is going to win uh, the next uh, seven races. All we can say that, only three racing weekends, they retired already twice. Incredibly lucky the condition for Ferrari at the moment, so we need to believe it. They need to believe in that, uh, because the championship seems possible this year
3: that is my feeling yeah and we have a saying in the uk that says you have to make hay whilst the sun shines sun doesn't shine too much in the uk so we're busy making hay whenever we get the chance the point is though davide is that you have to capitalize now whilst your competitors are struggling and that is exactly what ferrari are doing apart from carlos
1: yeah, for sure. 100% right and agree with you. Because you need to put points now. Winning race now that Verstappen has a technical issue. Winning race now that uh, Lewis Hamilton is only good and not special. Because then maybe they, they derive us, they are going to come back and you need to have so many points. It's the problem of science from my point of view. I push a bit for him on the personal side. But... Uh, if in the next uh, seven or eight races, we are going to see a Formula One weekend where Hamilton is, Hamilton is fighting for the victory. Verstappen is always there. Then you have uh, Leclerc. If uh, science is going to be better than Leclerc uh, at the middle of the season, is already late to win this championship. I think that Leclerc in the next three or four races, he can win every single race. And if you do something like this, uh, and at uh, mid season you have so many points of advantage then you can just manage the advantage you know that uh, i know that is not easier uh, because we are, when you are leading the championship and you, you never done it before you have pressure you have media you have you have you have so many so many psychological trouble but uh, leclerc is special and i think that is the type of guy that when in racing in front with the top guys is performing better and that is the quality of the champion Alonso, if he has a little chance, is going to perform. Lewis Hamilton, well, last year felt the, the 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 smell to become the greatest in the history. He was racing like God in the, in in the heart. I mean, he was racing so well, and he destroyed he destroyed Verstappen when he felt that it can be it can be his time. I mean, I think that Leclerc, when is important, is racing better. And uh, it's a great quality. I hope, but I don't know if if science uh, has this type of uh, this type of quality. He never won in Formula One before, so it's not easy to ask to a driver that he never won a race to become world champion. I don't know. I don't know them on what he, what he think. But uh, I'm always uh, thought in in the sport that you have to do one step after another, and. Uh, he has already t- he needs to already take the first step uh, Sainz to take the first victory and then he can think about the the championship so it's not so easy to predict uh, Carlos Sainz world champions this year huh? I mean he's a risky David it's a
0: bit like it, it's a bit like taking a penalty in a world cup final isn't it you know until you've actually got the thing in the net <laughs> it's everyone can kick a ball and, and it's the situation it's that bit so we're going to find that at, at, yeah totally it's I mean the
3: pressure cooker yeah yeah
0: well, it's, it's what you're made of, isn't it? It's ultimately what you're talking about is the guy, raise, he raises his game to the situation. That's what we're going to find out. I mean, will he be able to cope? But he needs, if it's going to be easy, he'll cope. But if he's going to be under pressure from a challenger, then, uh, then it's more difficult.
1: One thing that uh, I would like to underline also is that uh, in the challenging of being the first driver in Ferrari, it's not, not so easy for, for, uh, for Carlos Sainz because uh he was not also lucky in, in the first three races i mean la- last last qualify he took the red flag three seconds from the starting line uh, from for the for the for the line of the lap i mean it, it was a lacking quality, and he took out from him the chance to have uh, to set uh, one of the fastest lap, probably was already in second row uh, with that with that lap you know and he he get to the indigent track for the final lap of his quali. Late because they had a problem with the with the engine starter and he lost two minutes in the box. I don't know if you know it. So he had instead of having two laps of preparation to warm up the tires, he only had one lap. And so when you approach the last lap, not having a lap already in the bank, uh, and, and with the risk that if you make a mistake, uh, you you are last in the in the in the Q3, so you are tenth. He had the mistake. And the that were not perfect. So, I mean, it w- was a very difficult situation. And then I can also understand his mistake in the race. Strategy, that for me was wrong. Um, hard compound to start with. He had a problem, he had an issue with the steering wheel during the formation lap to, 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 to go in the grid. So, uh, he practiced the start and he stole twice. They need to change on the grid that the steering wheel. Already they have the hard compound that is not that easy to handle in the first lap. Then you had the two practice start where you stole. You had the start, you had the poor one. Then the, the pressure to recover position, you are already under pressure. You already made the, the, the mistakes. I mean, I can imagine how difficult is it while your teammate is winning the race easily. So, Damon, I, I don't know what you think, but... If your teammate is winning and you are struggling into the trouble, hey, the race of the driver becomes very difficult, my friend. Eh? What do you think?
0: We've got another saying in England which uh, uh, goes with Natalie's is that it never rains, but it pours. Um, which means <laughs> yeah, it all goes wrong at once. We do
3: once. love a weather saying, don't we? <laughs> We're, We're all mildly with it. obsessed. obsessed
2: a yeah. we like to call you our... Italian correspondent on F1 Nation. Just, quickly before you go, Alpha Tauri. This couldn't be a more local race for them. Just twenty minutes down the road. What's the word on the street about the kind of season they're having?
1: I would expect them much better than what they are at the moment. They have a lead that is a great one, and especially in quali. But they are not performing so well, like in the past, like in the last few years. So I'm a bit worried for them. In Imola, in the last few races, in the past, they were they were just amazing. They were special. I think they qualified the fifth in all year and something like that, uh, uh, Gasly. So they, they need to score points and to be there because they are fighting every time this year around 11th, 10th, 9th, 9th position. And probably it's not the position that Gasly deserves as as, as a driver because probably his speed is to be 15, 16 degrees. That is my, my thought. So, I would like for them to have a good race also because uh, like you said, they, they, they are very close to the track. They are, they is uh, his home race for them and so I would like to see them on top. But the problem, they are not changing so much the value of the team in, in the first few races. I mean, I can say that Ferrari is strong. If Verstappen is special, it can be first. If no, it's just behind Ferrari. And then I can see that there is Mercedes, and then there is for sure Alpine in the top ten, and then there is Norris, and Ricardo. So I cannot imagine that it's going to be so much different because the, the, the trend and the, and the, and what we saw in the, in the in the first few races was like that. So if you say if you if you are asking me, Gasly is going to be fifth, sixth, where it was last year almost impossible is my thing but uh, I love Norris because we could see from when he was 16 that he has something different than the others I love Russell oh Russell Russell is, Russell. Russell is my favorite one. Oh, No, no, you know why I love Russell
0: <laughs> we just say Russell you know it's much more exciting the way you say it
1: <laughs> you know why I love Russell because in Italy I was keep saying on TV this man is special the same attitude of Leclerc, of Verstappen, of probably Norris. This type of guy I was saying, No, uh, he's having a fantastic in Williams, but then in the race, he is not able to, to, to take points. No, in the race, sometimes he's behind Latifi or his teammate, and they were saying, okay, but he has not the car. He's not the car to deliver the result, and he's incredibly important for the driver having the car and having the speed. Believe me, he's special. As soon as he jumped in for, he jumped on Mercedes in Bahrain, did you remember how special he was that he was leading the race he was going to take the victory? Echo, this man, sorry, this man. Sorry, put it on the other one. <laughs> This man, he was able to put his best performance in the in the most important day of his life. So when you are able to do like this, from my point of view. You have the attitude to become world champion in Formula One. That is my thought as a driver. So, at the beginning of the season, after three races, we are immediately realized that probably Russell was strong enough, like Vasaki thought in the past, because he's, he's anyway racing Hamilton and is not destroyed every single weekend, like was Bottas or all the teammates of Hamilton before him. He's second in the
3: championship, for goodness sake. Yeah, he's amazing.
1: I mean, I really, I really, I really love him. I really love him. I mean, as a driver, I think that is uh, good. He has speed, but uh, his head is top one. In the managing of the races, is even better than, than, than Norris that we, we consider also in Italy uh, a, a huge talent. In the lower category, Russell was a bit better than, than Norris. I know that the head side, the, the, with the experience, you can improve it a lot. But uh, believe me, he has uh, an incredible capability to manage the race and the situation, Russell. And he's always calm and patient, like uh, Hamilton uh, uh, showed us to be in the past. That is magnificent Hamilton in that he's very passionate. he's very quiet when the situation is not good. Science didn't have be quiet when he was in trouble in 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 Australia, but he was too passionate he, he made mistake he made mistake he was confused while Hamilton was in where, where when he's in the back, he's always racing well, waiting for waiting for a better moment. He's a master on this side, and probably Russell he has the same attitude. So, uh, he's going to be world champion one day. It's only, quest- only question of time.
0: Davide, we're coming back to Imola, and George has not had a particularly uh, wonderful record there. With some some drops, you know, he dropped the ball with behind the safety car, wasn't it? In the in the Williams, and then he had a collision with uh, with Valtteri uh, a few years back. So, it's it's not a happy hunting ground for for George.
1: I agree with you. But we need to underline that he was good in was very good in quality eh? so when um, he destroyed the car on the safety car going down to aqua minerali, do you remember that he crashed on the on the inside the was 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 a huge mistake to be honest, but he was there, I think he was ninth at the time of the race behind safety car tenth. It was in the point with Williams that it was strong. So, so so i mean uh, yeah, he didn't score any type of result, and probably has only bad memories about Imola but he needs to realize that he's second in the championship in front of Lewis Hamilton that for everyone that is racing he's a master and in the past in Imola he was bloody quick so be confident George Russell you're going to be fine
2: Davide, thank you so much for your time. We're going to let you get back to all things Monza while we can continue talking about all things Imola, but have a great time
1: down there. Ciao. See you there. See you in Imola. We are going to enjoy the weekend. Ciao, ragazzi. Grazie. Ciao, ciao.
3: Grazie, principe. Well, he is a force of nature, of that there is no doubt. But what did you make of what Davide had to say, Damon?
0: Well, oh, it was interesting because you have your own impressions as a driver, and and you you wonder whether they're unique or whether they are, um, you know, completely contrary to everyone else's opinion. But what he was suggesting and what he was saying so fulsomely and with so much knowledge uh, uh, w- actually confirmed to me that I'm al- I'm along the right tracks. You know, I w- I would agree with a lot of what he had to say. He he was. You know, he was concerned for Carlos because of the difficulties, but he also defended him and, and made the point that, you know, sometimes things happen. And I also think on Charles Leclerc, his his summary of him as, an, as a driver was sort of what I suspect as well, which is that he's a driver who responds to the, the moment. And he likes, to, you know, when, when he sees a sniff of victory or an opportunity, he, he's there. I think it's a question of raising, uh, as the stakes get higher and the, the, the complications and the challenges get diff- more difficult. You know, some drivers just take opportunities, and he's an opt. He has taken the opportunities he's had. He's also stuffed it into the wall in Baku and stuff in qualifying. You know, when he shouldn't have done, and he gets upset about that. But he at least he's trying. And Monaco, Monaco, yeah. He's had his moment. His momentary offs, which is which is usual for a guy who's. It, you know, it's it's like it's it's much easier to slow a person down. Than to make someone faster. So if they crash because they're going too fast, uh, you know, it's it's easier to control that. You, you know, it's when they're never then they're never quick and they crash. <laughs> they're a problem.
3: But it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we spoke to Mark Jenay back in Bahrain, he felt that Charles had matured as a driver. See, I would agree with you that in the past, I've always wondered whether under massive amounts of pressure, whether he can come through. There's no doubt that he could. He has performed under huge amounts of personal. Pressure. You remember um, the tragedies that he has endured, and he's come out fighting and and put in unbelievable performances. When you consider his mind and heart must have been elsewhere. So that's certainly true. But I'm just thinking about the likes of Monaco. This is this is a circuit that he's never actually finished a Grand Prix on, let alone won on. And expectations were so high last year, only for him to crash the car. Still put it on pole. That was the irony, wasn't it, if you remember? But the damage sustained in that crash meant that the car couldn't take part in the race. I think this year feels different. I feel that he's just calmer.
2: Yep, And I, I think everything about Ferrari feels different. I think Leclerc is a hugely instinctive driver and that allows him to, to rise to the big occasion, as David and Damon were saying. But also, I think he's got the support from Ferrari this year. Their pit stops have been absolutely on fantastic every time. Um, and th- they just feel ready. I feel they feel ready, whereas I feel Red Bull and Mercedes in particular just feel a little bit undercooked, probably because of all the battling they did last year, whereas Ferrari have been waiting for this moment. And and, and for Carlos, he's, he's a more cerebral driver than, than Charles Leclerc. So I think when the car isn't quite as good as it is now, like last year, it's, it wasn't a surprise to me that science was able to to work out how to get more out of it, sitting down with his engineers, going through the data, whereas now the car is there and it just requires you to take that chip out of your brain and get on with it. Leclerc is your man.
3: And you do wonder if Carlos will be kicking himself further down uh, the season when he looks back at the start and realizes how dominant the Ferrari was and may still be throughout the season. We don't know yet, but with the development curve set to be incredibly steep and uh, the likes of Mercedes, I'm sure will bounce back. In fact, they already are, you know, they're on the podium. They're sitting second in the constructors supposedly with a rubbish car. So, you know, they've, you can't ever write them off. But my point is, is that if Carlos can't capitalize now, you know, ruining the chances, ruining those mischances. chances. Well, it's not too
2: late. And I agree with Davide. You know, he was saying this is almost a career-defining race for Carlos Sainz. Oh, Sons. poor
3: chap. I mean, yeah. so much let's, pressure. Let's not put
0: any pressure on him. Oh. <laughs> but, you know. No, but he, you know, actually, do you know something? That it, it, Just thinking about it now, this is going to be one of the biggest tests for Charles. In Italy, on home turf, at Ferrari's backyard, and he's now expected to win.
3: Yeah, but... Uh... He's done it before, though. He won
0: at Monza in 19.
3: He wasn't expected to win there, although they were having a decent run of form then, weren't they?
0: No, exactly. The the unexpected win is, is, yeah, it's when you turn up. This is is where driving Ferrari is different. Being in Ferrari is different. You know, you've got the entire nation. It's... It's a national emblem in a way that we just don't even get, I mean, you know, the the, the most famous British team, you know, we, we've got, you know, it doesn't compare to the way it is, the intensity that there will be in, in Italy this uh, coming weekend.
2: But the team can protect him from a lot of that, can't they? They can limit his exposure to the amount of interviews he has to do. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, he's just got to get into the track <laughs> <laughs> because the fans will be wanting to stop him. But once he's in,
3: I gather that's going to be fairly tricky for any of us with just one road going in. Because of course, when we went last year, it was under COVID and there were no fans. But now they're back in force. The so topos will be there, um, in their tens of thousands. Apparently, it well, might be and a bit the of a hill,
2: Pink's. So you got to talk about the hill when you are at Imola. So overlooking that final, uh, well, it used to be a chicane. It's more. Uh, you're now overlooking Rivazza, really, but there's this hill, and it's back in the sort of '90s, in the sort of Schumacher era, late '90s, early 2000s. It was rammed, wasn't it, Damien? I mean, when you won those couple of races in '95, '96, it was a campsite. It was, it was
0: like watching, you know, the 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 armies uh, uh, camping on the on on the on the hillsides before a battle. You know, it would be people staying up all night, and they'd be covered in plastic bags, and they'd have table set up and it was just wall to wall people this whole hillside it's unbelievable you're right but i just want to throw in one little memory i've got which is when i first started testing with williams of my very very first test i did at a proper track um uh, rather than a small still stone backyard track track i went to imola and i had ricardo petrezi was i was getting in the car after ricardo and we were in the garage and it's, it was springtime and they have these, uh, t- these dandelions that go crazy in that part of the world. And they just, they just, the place is, is like a fog of dandelions and they kind of collect together and, and they roll down the track and you see a car go past and it busts through one of these balls of dandelions and they all go everywhere. And, uh, and it was warm and it was, and there were people sitting outside, the locals would come out and sit outside the Ferrari garage with their cheese and their wine on a bench. And they every time a Ferrari came out the garage, everyone cheered and just went crazy. And it was just amazing. The atmosphere there was just, it was, I'll never forget that. And that was one of the, you know, it was very relaxed and there wasn't any pressure or anything. It was just testing, but it was Gerhard and, and John Lacey and they kind of, they were just living gods as far as the Italians were concerned.
3: Well, we need to talk Red Bull because they are currently third in the championship And um, poor old Max down in sixth, 46 points behind Charles Leclerc. And in fact, Charles Leclerc's lead over George Russell in second is bigger than at any other time last year through the season. I mean, it's pretty crazy after three races. But Max is saying that he's not even thinking about the championship at this stage. Just how frustrating, Damon, is it to have a quick car that's not reliable? I mean, you have to be on constant tenterhooks.
0: Uh, I think Max is coping well. I mean, they've had a had a few uh, expressions of displeasure, like you know, using words like unacceptable. And and I think that I think that um, uh, also Christian Horner also uh, agreed with that. You know, that, it, that it's not acceptable. They need to they need to fix this problem. But you know, at least if you've got a quick car, he also said, you know, it's better to have a quick car um, that's not reliable than a, than a slow car that is reliable. Once you've got the speed, you can work on the other bits. So it's they will be working furiously to fix that. Um, but its it's been very costly, you have to say. Um, and meanwhile, the Ferrari is just, you know, going round and round like a, a a metronome.
3: And without oversimplifying it, TC, is it a case of all of these reliability issues being related? And can we put it down to the fact that it's, Perhaps a few balls drop between the handover from Honda to Red Bull in terms of the power (laughs) train?
2: Pinks, I can't answer either of those questions because we haven't heard from Red Bull exactly what the cause of the problem was um, in Melbourne. Uh, We know that there was a fuel pickup problem uh, in Bahrain, of course, that the DNF, the double DNF that they suffered there. But, you know, you're saying, oh... Max is dealing with it well he was an angry man after the race in Melbourne I really sensed it when he was in the pen I think using a word unacceptable is pretty hard on your team actually, everyone has been working round the clock, particularly after such an intense title fight last year but all he said is, I don't need upgrades on this car, all I need is reliability and I can do the rest that was that was the, his tune after the race and he's probably not wrong but till they get all their ducks in a row I would be asking him if I were Christian Horner just to throttle back a little bit on uh, on, on some of the stuff he's been saying. Oh,
3: it's so difficult though, come on! If if you know if he's standing back and accepting I'm not saying it, accept and I, you know it.
2: everyone is just working flat out to try and solve it.
3: Sure, but we want to see that raw emotion. Unacceptable is the only word that he used. I do agree it's quite a loaded word, but on the other hand, if someone just stands in the pen is fairly phlegmatic about what's just happened, and they've got a second DNF out of three races, you're like, hang on a minute. This world championship slipping away from you here.
0: I've got a quote here. He said, apparently, that he'd need 45, at this rate, <laughs> he'd need 45 races to be champion. Well, um, you know, so he's right. I mean, what can you Careful say? Careful what you I, wish for. You might actually, actually, just have that in a few years. Uh, at that, uh, that rate, he won't be champion is actually the truth because, uh, you know, uh, you need to finish. and um, But his it is frustrating when your car breaks down uh i've 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 i can experience that i've what would you say in the pen
2: after a race damon when you were suffering from reliability issues
0: well there wasn't the pen oh, yes, Tom. so you know it was much easier in my day you know we had we had a press conference if we were you know and then after the race the, the journalists would come around to the motor and and ask a few questions you get on your plane you go home i mean they work so hard they are constantly bombarded the moment they get out of the car I don't know how they'd cope. Honestly, these drivers today—it's just relentlessly, the, the interviews and stuff is—I—I—I I, I wouldn't be able to cope very well. So I probably would drop a few clangers and say like, "I am really bleep, bleep, bleep." Well, you know, how do you feel? They ask you how you feel. Well, I'm, i i can't say I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm being philosophical about it. No, it, it's—you it, know—it really is. Well, it's not a good time to talk to them.
3: Okay, Damon, tell us then. But tell us then, because whilst how do you feel is like. The world's worst question. We do want to understand the emotions and the adrenaline that's searing through your veins. Describe to us the feeling when you're in that car and you're feeling that you're on for a race win and everything is coming together nicely only for it to stop. I've just got a flashback to Bottas in the, in the pits in um, Monaco when he couldn't get the wheel gun back off. And I was just thinking, how on earth must he process the emotions in that moment so in answer to your question how did you feel
0: <laughs> well you can't you can't count anything that's not that's not happened yet you know chickens and eggs and all that stuff so you basically ha- you should have as a driver the, the mindset that
3: <laughs> nothing's guaranteed
0: <laughs> i was going to say something it's a, a swear word but you oh. know, stuff stuff happens you know and also that you know until that till that car is over the line and the race is done. Anything can happen and probably will, as Murray famously used to say. You know, it is, it is that you have to have that attitude. So when, of course, you come in for your pit stop, you're kind of half of your mind is going, uh, it's going to go well, it's going to go well, something's wrong. And then from that point onwards, you're kind of in this reset mode. You can kind of go, OK, it's how bad is it? going to be you yeah. know, is it going to be one place is it going to be two places what am i going to have to do to recover that so you're just always in survival fight to the end mode and then afterwards the worst thing is if you've made a mistake that's the worst one if something breaks down you kind of go well i couldn't do anything about that there's something's broken but if you make a mistake that is the most awful feeling i remember you being quite philosophical
2: after hungary 97 damon when you were on to win that race until what with two laps to go?
0: Yeah, but I still finished. Is that the difference? Okay, In so if
2: you'd arrow. actually DNF, well, I got yeah. I got something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it <wasn't> it? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's better than absolutely nothing. But you know, um, yeah, it's it would have been lovely fairy tale to have won. But um, you know, you, you, if you go through your career. And, and try and put it right in your mind, you know, as to what should have happened, then you're living in a dream world. It's not, it's not reality. The reality is what actually happens and they've got to deal with it. It's, it's hard. It's hard. The sport is hard.
3: Now this weekend is special for many reasons, not least because Formula One is coming to Europe for the first time in 2022, but also because we've got our first sprint race of the year and There'll be many of you, including myself, until recently, that might need reminding what that actually means and the format that that takes. So, should we have a quick reminder?
0: Oh God, I need, I need reminding. Um, wait a minute, they all they, they they do everything on the Friday.
3: Yes, indeed, we do have entertainment from the Friday because qualifying comes forward. To the Friday is Q1, Q2 and Q3 as normal. The results of that session set the grid for the sprint on Saturday. The sprint is a shorter race, roughly 100 kilometres or a third as long as a full Grand Prix. It takes about half an hour. Drivers don't have to pit if they don't want to. And that means to gain position, you have to overtake on the track, which makes it much more exciting for all of us. And the driver who wins the sprint race gets eight points. The points go all the way down to eighth place. And the result of the sprint race sets the grid for the Grand Prix on Sunday, which runs exactly the same as normal.
2: And there's one other thing, Pinks, there's one other thing. And this was one of my real bugbears last year. But the person who sets the fastest lap in qualifying on Friday will be the man awarded pole position in the record books. And uh, that always felt uncomfortable last year when it was actually the person who won the sprint last year who got that. Um, Accolade. So yes, whoever sets the fastest time on Friday qualifying will be awarded the pole position uh, in the statistics books.
3: I do think that these sprint race format weekends are so interesting and I want to get your take on the wider implications for the teams, but the more obvious ones are that there are more points on offer this weekend, a maximum of 34 so we could see some big point swings in the championship standings. There's a chance for a driver who qualifies badly or gets a penalty to recover by racing through the field in the sprint. Of course, who can forget Lewis Hamilton in Brazil last year? Damon, I think you put it down as the greatest race you've ever seen.
0: The greatest drive I've seen, you know, under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was astonishing. I mean, he basically won a Grand Prix and a half without making a single mistake and overtook everyone about twice, I think.
3: Yeah, because he started P20 in the sprint because of all those penalties, but he ended the race in first place on the Sunday. And now that the points go down to eight, we could see more racing throughout the field, which is always a good thing. What I'd like to know, though, are the sort of wider implications. Does more racing put more stress on the engines? Are sprint weekends more challenging for the teams with reliability issues? And in terms of upgrades, are we going to see... Well, we can see any upgrades in Imola because, of course, they have limited practice time. So I gather Ferrari have said they won't be bringing any until later in the European season for that very reason.
2: Well, Ferrari are sitting pretty at the top, aren't they? I think uh, they can still win this race without upgrading their car. But we are going to see some upgrades. Alpine are going to be bringing a new floor uh, that was originally scheduled for Miami but they've managed to pull that forward to Imola maybe only on one of their cars hey I wonder how do you decide Damon within a team you've got one new floor coming at Alpine this weekend who gets it
0: Uh (laughs) we used to have uh, at Williams it used to be it would alternate so if there was an update you know one the other driver would get it this time and next time the other guy would get it but then obviously each team starts to put all its eggs in one of the drivers' baskets more than the other. Some drivers used to have a, a rule that uh, they they all got they got all the updates <laughs> way in advance of the other driver, which uh, is jolly unfair on the other driver. But then that's life.
3: If you're going on performance, Damon, it should go to Ocon. He's got 20 points to Alonso's two, and yet I think it will go to Fernando because
2: oh, why,
0: why?
3: because I kind of feel like he's a bit scarier and there's the team leader. You know, it should
0: be it should be a decision that's down to the team, not not to the driver. I think that's 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 the right way to do it because then they can choose there may be a strategic good reason to give it to a driver who's maybe had one before in the past. So, you know, they, they you can't make a hard and fast rule because you'll get yourself Caught out by that eventually at some point you have to be flexible but try to be fair and explain it to the other the other driver say listen we're going to do it this week we're going to do this and just so you know and not not have a situation where you don't tell or the other driver finds out that uh, their their other their um, teammate has gotten a something that they they didn't have access to you know and that's that's used to get punch ups with PK and Mansell didn't you because of someone got a diff that they they thought they should have had or something like that.
2: So I think, anyway, we are going to see some upgrades. And then does it put more stress on the engines? Well, yes, they're doing more mileage over the weekend. There's an interesting uh, sort of strategic point to be made about engines this year that with so many races, what are we, 23, and only three permitted power units, I think a lot of the teams now are saying, we're not going to get to the end of this season on the three. And we're just going to accept the grid penalties when they come, when we exceed that number. And Alpine is a classic case of that. Fernando Alonso is already on his third power unit. <laughs> three races, three power units. So he's obviously, I think, thinking I'm going to have to take a penalty at some point.
0: Well, in a way, it's great. isn't it? I mean, it's, it just means you can't forward project a result. I mean, if, if Ferrari are 100% reliable, I mean, everyone's got a problem because it's going to be, they are just going to be walking it. But um you know if if there's any unreliability then and, and people start doing that you've got a very you've got a very uh, randomized championship which is what you kind of want because it keeps the jeopardy going.
3: We have to give a shout out to McLaren a double points finish for them in Australia and the first points of the season for Daniel Ricciardo. He was actually one of the few top drivers apart from Sebastian Vettel yet to score a point going into his home race. So great to see. And I mean, it just must be a big relief, must not it?
2: He was pumped after the race in Australia, but I also felt he wanted more. And, and I think that's a huge turning point for Daniel in that, Last year, at any point, okay, Monza, excluding Monza, but at any other point last year, if he'd finished on Lando Norris's gearbox, I think he would have been overjoyed because he was struggling with that car. This year, he finishes on Lando Norris's gearbox and actually wasn't totally happy, relieved to get points on the board, but thinks there was more performance to come. So I think that bodes well for Daniel Ricciardo in terms of where he's at with this car. He's clearly happier with it than he was last year's.
3: But wasn't he told to hold position behind Lando? He was quicker than him, but told to keep it in six.
0: I think you're right, Nat.
3: So that would explain, Tom, why he was frustrated if he felt that he could have been P5 or indeed even higher.
2: But hey, still a great weekend for Daniel. And I always think Formula One is in a good place when Ferrari are doing well. And I also feel that with Daniel Ricciardo because he's such a ray of light isn't he? And such a ray of sunshine on everything that he does within the sport, that when he's going well, the sport's in a good place as well. And, you know, you guys weren't in Melbourne, but the atmosphere there was every bit as good as I'm expecting it to be at Imola. And I would say 75% of the crowd, and we're talking 130,000 people on race day was dressed in orange papaya caps. And, it was it was fantastic, and Daniel really rose to the occasion. Everywhere he went, people wanted a slice of him, and he went into the fan zone and, and was just... There was so much love for him, so we need Daniel back up there, and and I, the evidence is, I think, that, that McLaren are finally getting it together and that this car isn't as bad as everyone feared after the first race in Bahrain. It's well-balanced, needs more downfalls, and then... On a particular type of track, what was interesting about Melbourne actually is that the new asphalt there bowled the teams a bit of a googly. The Ferrari seems to be just brilliant everywhere. But you remember we saw Alfa Romeo were just a little bit off where they'd been at the opening two rounds. Haas, the same. And I think maybe when we're going back to an old track like Imola with old asphalt, we may see, I think, more of a familiar pecking order that we saw at the opening two races than we got Uh, In Melbourne.
3: So, Tom, you say that F1 is in a good place with Daniel Ricciardo in a good place. F1 Nation is in a good place when Grace Ricciardo is in a good place, isn't she lovely? She was
2: so lovely. And do you know what? I think she really suffers during the races as a mum. Oh, she does. Yeah,
3: she does. She prays. She meditates. She paces around. I mean, I can't imagine how stressful it must be to watch your boy race but she
2: was she was lovely and actually she gave us one or two little insights about Daniel and what a sort of she sort of said he's been a bit always been a bit of a show off and loves playing to the crowd and you can so see
0: that can't you I think that's an underestimation isn't it that's what's it uh, uh, that's a <laughs> gross <laughs> understatement of uh, of Daniel Ricardo who seems to he yeah put he just loves the stage he's a great performer he's been so good you're right I mean it's great to see him uh when he's competitive I mean it's a shame he had to hold back at the end but he, you know it's a good team job he did there because Lando had some heating problems. And so um, he was asked, uh, if you don't mind, don't put him under too much pressure. Uh, And uh, he did that job too. So I think that's going to earned him a lot of brownie points. It's always better to be in a team when everyone feels good and you haven't got uh, one driver's, you know, put the whole thing at jeopardy because they they wanted to be selfish. But um, that's the dilemma drivers always find themselves in.
3: So have we um, got to that part in the show where we do our statement? Damon?
0: Well, you know what? I think we're going to skip it this this week because we've already had Ask Damon with Davide Valsecchi, basically asking me all the questions. (laughs) All the questions were directed at me. Well, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know, Damon. What do you think? Uh, (laughs) So those are the questions for Ask Damon this week. Uh, All of them came from uh, uh, Davide Valsecchi from Italy. Uh, And so thank you, Davide, (laughs) for those uh, wonderful perceptive questions and putting me on the spot.
3: That's good enough for me. Any other business then, chaps?
0: Just
2: excited, Pinks. Love Imola. In fact, is there a circuit in the world with better corner names than Imola? I mean, Tamburello, oh, so right. Piratella, Aqua Acqua Minerale. Alta. You know, it's just uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's as a racetrack should sound, isn't
0: it? Before I knew what what they the names were, I, I used to think Murray was saying into the rigatoni and through the ravioli, <laughs> and uh, basically, no, I, that, surely I, that's I another advert food. you did with Murray. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, <PN>. Ah, yes, <laughs> I remember that one.
3: It is an incredible track. I I ran it last year with Aunt Davidson. And you can't fail to be moved as you run around it. You know, it's steeped in triumph and tragedy. And it's like a a history lesson as you take to all those beautifully named corners, as you say. It's a a very special place and um, one that we're privileged to go to.
0: The old track was slightly different. And there's someone very special who still retains and will retain for all time that lap record, uh, a certain Jill Villeneuve who um, put in the fastest lap on the previous formation of the circuit and it stood for all time.
2: Well, and Damon, it's 40 years since that infamous race in 1982 when uh, only 14 cars started because, hey, there was a political battle going on in Formula One. We don't need to get into that. But we saw that sensational battle, didn't we, that weekend between uh, Gilles Villeneuve and Didier Peroni. And Pironi overtook Gilles on the last lap and... After the race, Villeneuve said he was never going to speak to Pironi ever again. And those were prophetic words because two weeks later, of course, he tragically lost his life at, at Zolder. But that, uh, that all happened at Imola. And then fast forward to 1989 and Senna and Prost fell out at Imola. Everyone falls out at Imola. Did you fall out with anyone at Imola? But just Senna and Prost, of course, fell out
0: in 89. I got told off by Senna there. So that was the kind of falling out. But I didn't really have a relationship to fall out of. Well, go on, go on. What so, did he say? What, oh, I told. Oh, well, he, he was. He basically told me after the race that I'd uh, I'd done something naughty to stop him overtaking me in in '93. But um, I thought what did coming you do? from break him, brake test, brake test, <laughs> <laughs>
2: brake test. Driving. No, off the track? I just what got it. I
0: just didn't let him pass. You know, but uh, then I had let him pass at Donington. So we, um, you know, when he famously swept past everyone in the in the re- in the wet and did his stunning Donington victory. Um, But, um, you know, so, yeah, falling outs. Let's hope we don't have any falling outs in Imola this year, eh, guys? Absolutely.
3: So it is ciao for now and thank you for listening. F1 Nation will be back on Tuesday, the 26th of April with the last word on the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. If you haven't already, hit the follow button on your podcast app so you get our next episode as soon as it's released. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.